Down by the bay, I like to play a six-string song. Up comes the sun, and it's looking for fun. I know it won't be long. There's a girl that's so yummy, yet she looks in my tummy, and that's when I knew I'm just a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. Drink a lot, oh my head does hurt Cause I'm a fat guy Out by the pool, I think it's cool to be by the swim up That's right I am, welcome back everybody to the Love Florida Realtor Podcast As usual I'm your host Mark Hanover with Keller Williams, Peace River Partners in Port Charlotte and Punta Gorda, Florida That is never not a mouthful when I say that And this week I'm really excited because I get to interview one of my friends, actually one of my wife's really good friends, uh, Kristen from D&B Nursery. Uh, I'm excited to bring this to you guys because again, uh, as always, my focus always is to showcase Southwest Florida. Uh, That is the whole point of this podcast and D&B Nursery in Port Charlotte, Florida really is one of those things that needs to be highlighted because you know, you come on down here and you purchase your house from your truly, obviously, hopefully, and uh, you, you, you're going to spruce up your yard or you want to spruce up your yard and you're thinking, where can I find some really good quality plants at a great price from people that I can trust and all that other kind of good stuff. And D&B Nursery really is that place. Uh, that's the first folks that Susie and I ran into when we came down here looking for the exact same thing after we purchased our home. And uh, they really took us in and uh, the whole family has become friends and uh, we really are just pleased as punch to have D&B Nursery be interviewed and feature on this episode of Love Florida Realtors. So without further ado, Kristen with D&B Nursery. Okay, everybody, I am here today with Kristen from D&B Nursery. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing outstanding. Thank you. Awesome. So D&B Nursery is a nursery that my wife and I have a very good relationship with have and uh, have had a good relationship with for quite a while now. Thankfully, Kristen's a friend of ours. And so we are very pleased, I am very pleased to have you on the podcast finally. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. I've been trying to do this for a while, but we finally <laughs> got her to do it. Yay, excellent. So Kristen, tell us a little bit about D&B Nursery. How long have you guys been in business? D&B Nursery has been in business for about 20 years. It's my parents' business. They started it um, then kind of almost like a little retirement project for my dad. And they were palm wholesalers initially, where they oh, would cool. get the palm seeds and germinate them and then grow them to about a foot tall and sell them by the hundreds to field growers. And then in the 2008 housing crash, um, all of the, not all of them, but most of the vendors that they sold to started plowing their palm fields and um, doing more fruit bearing and everyone wanted to have fruit trees. So they adjusted their business to accommodate the demand that was out there and started working markets to get their name out into the retail sector. And um, the rest is history. So 13 years of selling from their nursery and we no longer go to markets because we're busy enough in the nursery that we don't need to. That's amazing. Yeah, they did a great job. That's quite the, the shift change. Yeah, you, you adapt or fail in business, yeah, right? Everybody knows that. You, you adapt yeah. or fail. 
So, well, no wonder why your dad knows so much about palm trees then. Yes. Because it's, it's fascinating listening to him. Because when he gets rattling off on palm tree or fruit trees, for that matter. He's a wealth of knowledge about all the things. He really is. I've only been with them for a little over a year. And what I know is from my parents. They're both incredibly intelligent. They're very passionate about what they do and about helping others be comfortable planting in their own yards and taking care of their own trees and being able to grow their own fruit or have butterfly gardens or whatever the goal is of the customer. Um, So they know a lot. They're focused on staying on top of all the new things that everybody wants mm-hmm. also. That's tough too. Especially now. Yeah. Um, the demand for everything that is green has exponentially gone up. And with some of the other things going on, um, like there's a pot shortage. I don't know if people know that, but there's a shortage in pots. So a lot of the vendors and growers can't produce as much as they would normally produce because they don't have the pots to put them in. Okay. So let's, just because of my uh, audience, let's clarify that we're talking about cuppy things that you plant plants in. Plastic containers. Okay. There's a demand, <laughs> demand on plastic. We are, we are not talking about marijuana. No, no, no. We, we, are we are not in that market. Yeah. That's, although I could see very easily with the COVID thing where there would also be a pot shortage. Yes. That's exactly what it is. When you guys are... Let's let's backtrack it a little bit here. So, comparing you guys to a big brand uh, home improvement store, okay, okay, that has a garden section. So, let's talk about some of the differences between like what you get at your your local big box versus what you guys offer at your place. Because you guys have a small nursery right by a house that's in a residential neighborhood. It's really cool. Um, very different and so let's let's focus on some of the differences there okay um the first thing that you'll notice when you come to our nursery versus a garden center is that we are 100 percent outside um, there's no roof there's no air conditioning um, we are out in nature and my parents have lived in that house for over 30 years and when i was a girl in that house growing up with my sisters he planted a lot of fruit trees in his yard so Um, that's another thing we offer when you come first you'll notice you're outside and it's beautiful because there's all these mature trees and plants Mm -hmm. and a lot of them have labels on when they were planted and what they are Um, then you'll get the knowledge that my parents have and their passion and hopefully excellent customer service and then when you wander around you almost feel like you're in a garden Um, along the canal bank there's some mature bamboo that's breathtaking and if it's a breezy day it'll sing to you Um, there's a lot of butterflies a lot of different birds course we have the lizards and the little frogs and everything else that comes with being outdoors Uh, people who are interested in fruit trees and they're just getting started out we like to give them a tour of the yard and show them um, what the trees you know we have the baby trees and this is what your tree will look like in you know X amount of years Um, this is when it harvests this is how you take care of it Um, if we have something that's ripe on our tree while you're there we will offer you a sample so you can taste some fresh fruit right from a tree um, if you're there during any time of producing season for whatever it is that we have. Um, you can see mature banana trees, lychee, citrus, star fruit is going to be ready in a couple of weeks. You can come by and taste a star fruit. Um, and then another thing that I, I really enjoy doing, I'm super passionate about, my background is in um, apparel retail. So I spent 20 plus years building wardrobes for people. And the way that translates for me into the nursery business is I get to help build 
flower beds or um, design landscapes for people's homes. I do not generally go out on location, but what I can do is if you come to the nursery and you have mapped out like your bed is 10 feet by seven feet and which direction it's facing so I know what kind of sun it gets, I can map that out um, in the space that we have in the nursery and then you get to peruse the plants and point out the ones that speak to you and then we kind of make a design in that space that we've you know, penciled out in the dirt until you're happy with it. And then you get to take a picture, take the plants home, set them up in your bed and you're good to go. See, that is a really cool service to tell you the truth. Um, for those that didn't realize, uh, my wife, the owner of Exora Galora, Susie, uh, works with Kristen and they've actually done some projects, relatively not small projects together to tell you the truth, where they've uh, mapped out stuff for a couple of condos around here and then for a few houses and um, Susie goes and plants and kind of makes it into a reality. Uh, Kristen has a real eye, I'm going to tell you right now, for design and for really accentuating your house and, and uh, help you make that, that dream of that uh, uh, resort style look or even not so resort style look sometimes come to, come to fruition. So absolutely. Well, thanks, Mark. It's cool that I you brought that up. I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, well, it's, it's compliment worthy. It's, it's fun for me. Cool stuff. Yeah. It's really fun for me. And people are like, well, thank you. You know, I've never, I never thought that we could do this. And I didn't know that this was something that you offer, but I, I don't mind. You know, thanks for your time. You're like, I love it. I absolutely love doing that. It makes me happy. So. Mm -hmm. Hey friends and neighbors, before we go on, I'd like to talk about a very special company, Exora Galora. That's right, I said Exora Galora. If you're in need of landscaping services such as bed and border planning and design, planting, weeding, mulching, trimming, landscape upkeep, and much more, Exora Galora is the right call for you to make if you live in the Charlotte County, Florida area. I've seen some serious yard transformations just from Susie weeding, much less the stellar yard design she comes up with. For service you can't ignore, call Exora Galora at 803-606-6105. Again, that's 803-606-6105. Or visit her on Facebook by searching for Exora Galora. That's spelled I-X-O-R-A-G-A-L-O-R-A. Some of what we have, um, I hate to even venture a guess, but I, I would guess somewhere between 5 and 10%. My father and my mother propagate themselves, or I'm learning to do that myself as well. Um, the rest of it, we source vendors. Uh, the way we find them, we just went to the Orlando Landscape Show last week, mm -hmm. and a lot of growers go there to connect with customers like us, small nurseries who want to buy their plants wholesale. And then we work out um, agreements with them and source the most common things that we sell and then a few unusual things, you know, for excitement for all of us, the customer and ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then they deliver or we pick it up. I mean, sometimes to get what our customers are looking for, we'll go to Homestead and pick up an order. So it really just depends uh, what the demand is, what's selling well, and then building those relationships with those vendors. So one thing that you and I have discussed a few times, because I'm like, 
I don't want to say the Karen of plant lovers, but I, I like a lot of very typical things that uh, uh, you guys just have been out of a lot due to COVID, mm -hmm. not completely due to COVID, but quite a few. So what are some of the things that people really love that are just really hard to get a hold of right now? One of the things that is extremely difficult to get a hold of right now is um, certain varieties of citrus. And that wasn't just because of COVID. COVID started mm -hmm. it. You know, everyone had stuck at home and they look at their yard and they're like, what can I do? And one of the benefits of our nursery is we were 100% outside. So people were comfortable coming to us right. um, when we weren't sure, you know, where we could go and how we could go, whatever. So um, people were still coming to the nursery and that was happening all over the place. So the demand there was exponential. Then add to it, um, there was a storm that stalled over the Bahamas uh, not too long ago that I'm sure most of you are aware of. I can't remember the name of it. But they lost a lot of their fruit trees too. And our growers are their growers. And then Texas had that polar vortex last winter and they lost all of their fruit trees. So what happened with the citrus is their people were coming to Florida and buying out our citrus growers thousands of trees at a time. Gotcha. So there's some that we can get, um, lemons and limes we've been able to keep consistently in stock, but a lot of different varieties of citrus that people ask for, um, we've had a really hard time getting. But one thing that I also offer is I'll take a name and a phone number and what they're looking for, I call it my client list. And um, when I get it in, whenever that may be, and I tell them, you know, hey, if you find it before I find it, no harm, no foul, good for you, I'm excited for you. But if I call you in, you know, two months, six months, just, what is today? Just Saturday, I called a customer. We were able to get an Etimoya tree in for her. She was on my list for over a year. Oh, wow. Over a year. But wow. she was excited to come get it because in that year's time, she didn't find it anywhere else. So that's another thing that we like we try to do for our customers is take the name and number and cross our fingers and say our prayers and <laughs> hope for the best. So on, on a continuing basis, is that like a normal thing where plants are just kind of in and out of availability or is that just, again, plants, not so years? much, but certain fruit trees for sure. And then there's some like really rare, um, more tropical fruit trees that people ask for that don't necessarily do really, really well here, but they can do well here once they're established, if they're taken care of when they're babies and protected. Mm -hmm. um, because they're not native here or they are for a growing zone that's just south of here, sometimes we can get them, um, but it's not something that we constantly keep in stock because in the winter at our nursery, then we have to put those things in carts and wheel them into the garage because <laughs> we are outside. <laughs> So uh, you touched on an interesting thing, and um, my, my wife will be disappointed in me when I say this, but okay. Uh, I was a couple of weeks ago years old when I found out the difference when you're, when you're speaking with plant people, uh, growers, planters, however you want to, whatever they do, the difference between plant and tree. Mm. Like I look at that, I'm like, okay, that's a plant, but not accurate, correct? Well, then so. you have to add another category, which stumps me up sometimes, and that's a bush. Yeah. Because some bushes get <laughs> as big as a small ornamental tree, but it's technically a bush. So one of the things about us, too, is we're not pretentious that way. Mm -hmm. You know, if people come in and mispronounce a plant, I'm probably mispronouncing something else, you know? So we're just chill that way. You know, we want people <laughs> to be comfortable to feel like they can plant in their own yard and be and have some confidence behind it so 
if you take out the pretentious, the 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 scientific names of things. Sometimes people come to me with Verbena, scientific. Una, or yes, well, yes. See, so people will come in and they'll they'll give me a, sometimes a scientific name, and I'm like, does it have a common name? Because I want it to be more, you know, less stuffy and more casual, more real for us, you know, more tangible for mm-hmm. the average planter in this area. That's great, uh, and and she's telling the truth too. Um, my wife and I probably a couple months ago. I don't know if you remember this or not. Probably not. Um, we were looking for some plants for our own home and I was telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, I want the fat guys. And Susie's like, okay, cool. And Kristen looks at me like, what? <laughs> What's a fat guy? Yeah, the fat guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and fat guys are actually. I don't remember. You don't remember? No. No. Desert Rose. Because oh, they get the little bellies on them. Yes. Um, if yeah, you, the fat guys. I, I forget how exactly you do it. Uh, it's the magic that Kristen and Susie do. Um, I think you have to pull on the plant or something. Well, you lift it up and let the soil fall below it. Okay, yeah. And then the, I don't know, see, I don't know the term for it, but there's a term for the chubby part of the plant that you set above yeah. the of the ground then. Well, it starts looking like a stomach. And it starts looking like little Buddha, <laughs> little, little Buddha plants. And so I started calling them fat guys. And so now Susie just immediately calls them fat guys when she's around me, but she's also trying to get out of the habits um, well, that's oh. funny because you guys have nicknames for lots of plants. Well, that's because of me. I love it. Because I can't remember. Like, I love it. It's whimsical and it's fun. Aggressive it makes churros. it fun. Aggressive churros. Aggressive churros. What's that? Crown of thorns. Oh, yeah. The crown they, of they look like little churros. They like do look they like get, churros. They look like angry churros growing up. That can up stab out of, you. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, so they're, they're stabby churros. churros. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a good one, too. Well, just so you know, I use the word stabby all the time. Um, my dad says picky. It's, it'll pick you. He says picky. I say stabby. Lots of people use thorny. You know, that might be the better way to say it that people can understand. Probably, probably but any, any plant that's going to stab me is a stabby plant. And there are quite a few of those out there, but they have excellent purpose. Yeah, Susie can tell you. Good yeah. Lord, Bougainvillea. Yeah, yeah, bogies. See, bougainvillea is a hard one to say, and I'm not sure if it's bougainvillea or bougainvilla or bougainvillea. You know, everyone says it differently, so I call them bogies. <laughs> And some of them, most of them, are very thorny. But there are some varieties that are not thorny that I could tell you about if you came out to the nursery. Exactly. So what is currently your favorite plant to see go into something? Mm. What do you think is something that just, on average, the the person down in southwest Florida, if you grab it and shove it into a yard, it's going to look Wow, this favorite thing is hard for me. I keep rolling top five lists okay. in my notes in my phone of movies, bands, songs, awesome. all the things that can change as you learn and discover more. Um, I can do it in subcategories, I guess. If we're going to talk about fruit trees, that's super easy for me. My number one favorite fruit is loquat. It's like a little piece of sunshine. It's a Plum. It's technically kind of plum, called a plum, but it doesn't taste like a plum or look like a plum to me. It is kind of like a little tropical apricot. It's fuzzy skinned and easily bruises, which is why you don't see it in grocery stores. Um, but when you eat it off the tree, it's sweet and delicious and the pit is not attached to the flesh. It's yummy. So that's my number one. My number two is a jabotacaba, or some people say jabotacaba or jabotacaba if you're talking to my dad. Um, And that is a Brazilian grape that grows on the bark of a bush that takes several years before it'll start fruiting. And the skin is tart and the pulp is sweet and the seeds are peppery. And if you chew it all up at one time, it's like this 
flavor explosion in your mouth. So that's my number two. Number that's three cool. is a mango, of course, mangoes. And then if you haven't tried uh, sapodilla, that tastes like pears mixed with brown sugar. Oh, wow. So that would be my number four. And then number five is one of the citrus that are kind of hard to find, but we do have a few in stock, which I'm excited to share with anyone. Um, it's called a wikiwa, and it's a cross between a grapefruit and a tangelo. And I don't like grapefruit unless it has a pound of sugar on it. I like the sweet stuff. But this has a grapefruit flavor, but not the that overwhelming sour. Oh, so it makes it not with, gross. Okay, yes, great. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> and it'll be ripe around like November, December, and we do have a tree in the yard. So first, first few people who ask to try it, um, hopefully we'll have some left for you to taste. So nice. that's my top five fruit. Um, if you get into shade plants, uh, my top five there would be... Okay, one second. Shade plants. Mm -hmm. Let's define shade plants for non-plantophiles. Okay, so shade plants can grow in the shade of canopy trees or in the shade of an awning under the front of your house, you know, depending on which direction your house faces and how the sun behaves interacting with that bed. Or it can be your house plant, like an indoor plant. Okay. Um, some... Not a lot, but some shade plants can handle just morning sun. So if they're in the sun just until it hits high noon and then it's in the shade the rest of the day, some of those will do okay um, and they'll adapt. But when I say shade plants, mostly I'm talking about your indoor plants or plants that don't ever see the light of day. Okay. Um, in that family, or in that category, I should say, there is a family of plants called cordylines or tea plants or tie plants. See, there's different pronunciations everybody comes, so I try to give you them all. Um, they're in the cordyline family. There is one cordyline that I'm aware of that can handle a decent amount of sun, and that's a red sister, and she is in my top five for sun plants. Um, but in the shade plants, I really, truly love black magic. The leaves uh, start green like this really bright almost neon green and they turn darker until they're almost black as the leaves mature and then um, the same family cordyline I really love Annie Lou Annie Lou is like this deep burgundy color and if you put her against something like a neon green it just really pops it's pretty and then there's the Monstera Delicioso every plant enthusiast who has house plants and I had one when I lived up north um, don't realize that a Monstera Delicioso, if you plant it outside and let it climb something like a trellis or a native palm tree, will make you fruit. It's crazy. That's I cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And then another one would be a money tree. Now, a money tree is kept as a common house plant. It's actually a Malabar chestnut tree, and you can plant it in the sun, but I had it for, I don't know, two decades in my house up north needs very little care or attention. You can forget to water it for a long time and it'll be fine. But if you plant it, it grows up to like 15 feet tall and makes these huge pods that are full of chestnuts that are super delicious. And the squirrels don't eat them, unlike all the other things the squirrels eat in the yard. That is true. Yeah. yeah that's always, yeah, that's a problem. I have an owl on top of my house right now because of such issues. Is that why the owls are? Rabbits, yeah. Awesome. Rabbits, oh, yeah. Freaking rabbits. Eating all the stuff. God. And Susie's a bleeding heart, so I can't take care of them my way. Um, mm. I'm with Susie on that one. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured. <laughs> um, we love all nature. So was that your top five for uh, shade plants? Yep. When we get okay. into the sun, there's a couple different categories there, too. Um, there are butterfly enthusiasts here. Mm -hmm. So if you're planting a butterfly garden, the ones that I would recommend the most would be a shrimp plant, lantana. And lantana comes in a few different colors. 
If you're working with monarchs, you're going to need milkweed. Um, if you want a sulfur butterfly, you can plant a Texas senna tree. If you want Gulf Coast butterflies, you can plant um, purple possum passion vine, which will also fruit for you. That sounds very hard to say. Purple possum passion fruit. Right. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. We have a couple different passion fruit varieties in the nursery, but that one, <clears throat> the Gulf Coast butterflies, I learned this because um, we didn't put all the plants into the shade house last fall so they were still out there at spring mm -hmm. spring here's you know late february early march um they ate them all up and killed some of them so you want to make sure your plant is nice and full and lush and maybe have a couple of them if you would like to have the gulf coast butterfly um, and that just looks like a smaller monarch to me swallowtail butterflies love citrus so if you have any kind of citrus tree in your yard that will attract the swallowtail and that one is the size of a small bird it's beautiful and they put their larvae on your citrus trees so in the nursery, when they do that to the trees we're selling, we pick them up and put them on the citrus trees in our yard. But um, that will get you swallowtails. So cool. there's your butterfly plants. I can, again, personally test. We have milkweed up front. I'm, I'm a monarch lover. Mm -hmm. And we had our milkweed for, God, three days. And all of a sudden we had, I think it was fast. two large. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty speedy down here. Yep. And uh, then, of course, we did the whole uh, monarch raising thing, which is another show. But... Um, that's really cool. And then the other side of the sun plants. Okay. So landscape plants. I can tell you the top five that we sell, and then I can tell you a couple of my favorites. Um, the top five we sell are going to be crotons for sure. Um, they give you vibrant, deep, beautiful colors with the more sun that they get, and they can handle full sun, you know, in the summer, 6 a.m. until 9 p.m., just beating on them, and they're fine once they're established. Um, and there's a few crotons that we carry. We have the Mamay, we have the Petra, we have Gold Dust, and we have Shoestring, which is a um, dwarf of the Gold Dust. And then the next most common would be Exoras. I mean, look at Susie's business name, Exora Galora. There's, there's a reason why we named it that. Yeah. There are lots and lots and lots of Exoras. The ones oh we gosh. tend to keep in stock would be the Dwarf Red Maui, Dwarf Yellow, the Red Maui Standard, the Yellow Maui Standard, Nora Grant, and then the King Exora, which has um, bigger waxier leaves than the standard Red Maui. Same color bloom, the blooms are also bigger. Um, so that would be the Exoras. Then we sell a lot of, uh, this cracks me up because people who aren't used to this, you know, I, when I lived in Pennsylvania, I lived in a rural area and everybody had a couple acres and there wasn't, we didn't really do privacy fences or privacy plantings, but something that we hear a lot at the nursery is, oh, I had this, I had this lot for years and now all of a sudden someone's clearing the lot behind me. You know, this area is yeah. growing exponentially. So yeah. they want privacy plants. Um, so we carry those. And in that category, I'd say we have the red tip cocoa plum, podocarpus, clusia, pitch apple. Um, you can do a bottle brush bush. Uh, Exoras you can use as a privacy fence. My neighbor has one. It's breathtaking because it blooms 10 months out of the year, but you have to help guide and train it um, to become full, mm -hmm. but it's possible. Um, and people get the night-blooming jasmine for that as well. And then there's fruit trees that you can use also. You know, we're always wanting to inject the fruit. I know there's a lot of areas here that people are not allowed to plant fruit trees, but there are patio varieties that they may not know about that they can keep in a pot oh, forever. There you go. And then they're not planting it and they can still be within code. Um, anybody who has a screened in patio 
that gets plenty of sun can keep a citrus tree in a pot forever and ever. Like you can have your own lemon tree out next to your pool. A lot of people don't realize that. Well, it's kind of funny because actually if you look over in the corner. <clears throat> That's right. You yeah. have a potted lemon tree over we, there. We, in fact, do have a potted lemon tree. It's going to go into the ground at some juncture. But yeah. Yeah, that's funny. That's one of the ones that's hard to get, too. That's the variegated pink lemon. That one we have had a hard time getting recently. Myra lemon we can get, and Eureka. But the variegated pink, I've got a list. (laughs) A list (laughs) of people waiting for it. Okay, so variegated for people that don't Uh, know. Variegated means that the leaf can be different. So in this case, the variegated pink lemon tree... It has the deeper green of the typical citrus and then mixed in it in these beautiful patterns. Every leaf looks like a different painting to me. That's what I love about leaves that are variegated. Um, Has different shades of green and then it's got some white and every leaf looks different from another, just like snowflakes. Yeah, it is is really cool. We have this, uh, as she said, variegated pink lemon um, tree, which is stunning and we're actually getting lemons finally, which is gonna be kind of cool. Um, which are yellow and green striped, which is also very different. Oh, yeah. The lemons are variegated, too, until they ripen. Once they ripen, you won't see that coloration variation anymore. Right. They'll just be yellow. See, there you go. See, I I don't know anything. Susie's probably cringing listening to this. (laughs) But, um, and then we also have a really cool variegated uh, hibiscus that you introduced Susie Mm, to up front, which is called Snow Queen. Snow Queen. She's beautiful. She makes red blooms, and she has similar patterns to the variegated pink lemon in her leaves. And there's another variegated hibiscus we try to keep in in stock called the um, Red Hot Hibiscus. Mm -hmm. Same bloom as the Snow Queen, but the leaves on that one are more white and pink and red mixed with green. Um, So those two are my top two favorite hibiscus because I'm a sucker for variegated leaves. I admit it. I'm a total <laughs> sucker. Have you been dreaming of moving to Florida? Have you been telling people, I gotta go where it's warm because you just can't stand one more stinking winter? I was the exact same way, so I did. Hi, this is Mark Hanover with Keller Williams Peace River Partners. I moved to Southwest Florida and have loved every second. Now I'd like to help you do the same. Whether you're looking to relocate to Florida permanently, purchase that vacation home, or get investment property, I can help make it a smooth and enjoyable process with the best real estate experience you've had. If you're looking to buy or sell in Southwest Florida, give me a call at 941-202-1995. Again, that's 941-202-1995, or you can visit my blog at www.lovefloridarealtor.com. That is www.lovefloridarealtor.com. worth mentioning people who are shopping for fruit trees uh, one of the common questions we get is what does grafted mean mm-hmm. right so um, when you get a tree that's grafted it's tricked into thinking it's an adult tree or at least an older tree than what it is and um, we do not graft at the nursery we leave that to the professionals so the grafted trees we carry come from professional grafting wholesale nurseries that make fruit trees um, the way they do it is they'll take seeds of 
whatever variety, you know, like let's, let's be in citrus right now. Let's do some citrus discussion about grafting. So they'll take rootstock of quote unquote sour, some kind of sour orange okay. and then, um, or sour citrus, I should say. So then once that seed sprouts, when it gets to a certain age, they'll take budwood or a branch that has new leaf growth on it from a tree that's already producing fruit and they'll graft it or fuse it onto the seedling tree. So now that seedling thinks it's that grown up tree that makes fruit. So people ask all the time like, oh, I want a citrus tree, that tree's pretty small, you know, it might only be three feet tall. Like how long is it gonna be before I get fruit? I don't wanna wait forever. Well, that tree's gonna fruit for you right away. Um, we recommend for the first year, you don't let it fruit. That way, mm -hmm. as you, you know, unless you leave it in a pot forever, then fruit away. But if you're planting <laughs> it, you wanna take the fruit off for the first year so that your root system can establish because all of the energy the tree gets is gonna to go to making that fruit and your roots aren't gonna move. So you want it to establish and then after that you can harvest to what the tree can hold. You might have to, for the, you know, if it's a smaller tree, you might have to thin some of the fruit um, the next year, some depending on the size or like the size of the fruit. You know, if it's a kumquat, the fruit's really small, let it go crazy. If it's a grapefruit, well, it might break your branches if you have too many fruit on it. So right. you just keep your eye on it. And we're always there to help you um, advise through those processes as well. But that's what grafted means. You know, that's a really, really common question we have. Some fruit trees um, don't propagate well with grafting or for whatever reason they don't graft them, then they'll grow them from air layering. Same thing, um, they're tricked into thinking they're adult trees. They air layer, and this is a whole process where they take, here's some technical words that I can never remember, but the bark comes off of a certain section of a tree and they take it all the way down to the cadium or something, I don't know, where there's no longer any bark left and the sap can't run down the branch. And then they wrap peat around it and then they seal that. And it takes anywhere from two to five months, depending on the type of fruit, for that to grow its own root system. And then that branch is cut off of the tree and put into a pot and then it's rooted out in a pot. So that cutting, they call it a cutting or from cutting, no, that air layering, sorry, cutting's different. That air layered tree, now it's a tree, um, is able to produce fruit young also. Huh. And then cuttings, that's another one. Yeah, it's, I'm citrus, uh, citrus can be propagated by cutting, not legally by any smaller nursery. It has to be a nursery that's licensed to do that um, through the Department of Agriculture. So not anybody can propagate citrus, but they'll do cuttings of citrus and those are called patio citrus. That's something that's intended to live in a pot forever. Okay. A lot of um, people who visit their loved ones down here will come to the nursery just because it's you know something you should do. It's beautiful tropical oasis. Um, while you're here, but they'll take back with them a one gallon size pot, which is a smaller pot of a citrus cutting. And the, the trees may be a foot and a half tall at most mm -hmm. initially. And you can grow limes and lemons on your windowsill in Michigan or New York or wherever you're going. So that's a fun one to take back. So quick question, why is it not legal for just anybody to do a cutting of a citrus the way I understand it, it's one of our huge crops here in Florida, so it's highly regulated, you mm -hmm. know, and we're shipping our citrus all over the place. So um, just selling citrus trees, the inspectors come out to our nursery and they inspect the product and make sure that we're not propagating anything and also make sure that we're properly taking care of our trees. You know, citrus is susceptible to a lot of different um, bugs and diseases and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's highly regulated. Um, I have seen some people on like Facebook Marketplace selling, you know, X citrus seedling. Um, that's another thing that I learned. You can't name a tree to type from a seedling in most varieties. 
So you can say it's a citrus tree, but let's say you grew a tree from a Meyer lemon seed. It's not necessarily a Meyer lemon tree. That blew my mind. I was like, wait, but it's the, like avocado, same thing. Sorry. You're like, oh, I got an avocado pit and I planted it. It's a Haas avocado tree. Well, not necessarily. And it took me a long time to accept that. <laughs> I was today years old when I found out that you can't Yeah, <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, but wait, dad, I don't understand. The seed came from that type of fruit. I don't get it, but that's just the way it is. What else is it going to be? So that's why we say true to type. If it's grafted or air layered, then okay. it can be true to type oh. or cuttings. Oh, you see, this is the reason why you go to D&B Nursery, <laughs> as opposed to, again, your favorite uh, big box place. Or... Now, those places, they have a place in the world. You know, we're not, oh, a full, we're not a full garden center. So a lot of times we send people to them because we don't carry soil. We, don't, uh, we do carry one fertilizer, but we don't have like a whole big variety of all different kinds of fertilizers. Um, we don't carry decorative pots. There's mm. a lot of things that we don't have that we'll send to our friends and neighbors, you know, if we can't help them. Mm -hmm. Well, again, uh, this is the reason why you go to you guys, though, because the just the we've only been talking now for roughly a half hour, mm -hmm. and I live with someone in the business, <laughs> and I haven't heard some of this, so this is kind of cool. And uh, if someone does have a, a project that they're working on, this is information that they probably should know yep. when they're you know talking about various things. But um, so poems, just because you guys are. Palm experts as well. well. What are your favorite palms? I'll be honest. My parents are palm experts. I am still learning the palm. There are so many varieties of palms that... Yeah, yeah folks. It's not just coconut and uh, no. whatever else. It, I discovered moving down here, palm. the world of the palm is gigantic and numerous. And even when you think you know what a palm is, you're not necessarily correct. But go on. I'm sorry. I didn't I'll that. just... We don't have a huge selection of palms, so I can just tell you what we carry. <laughs> we have... Triple Christmas palms. Those are kind of fad right now. Everybody wants them. They have this, they're self-cleaning, grow to 25 feet, have that smooth, bright green um, part of their trunk just below the fronds. Um, so that's real popular. We do the pygmy palms. Those are seen a lot in landscaping because they're nice and broad and tropical looking and full and they top out around 12 feet. Um, all palms, just so you know. I want everyone to know this because this is also a very common question. All palms grow slowly yes. okay yes you cannot expect a magical thing and this is also worth mentioning because i hear this a lot too like oh i planted this palm last year or eight months ago or six months ago or whatever and it's not doing anything and i said well do you have new fronds you have new fronds okay so palm trees have lots of skinny long feeder roots that shoot out quite a distance that's how palm trees can survive hurricanes. <laughs> you know, you'll mm -hmm. see palm, maybe they'll lose their fronds, but they're still standing there. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, it's a major hurricane, but they can survive the windstorms because of these long skinny roots. And when you're not seeing, and this can be any tree, kind of a rule of thumb, when you're not seeing any growth, it doesn't mean it's not growing. A lot of what's happening when you first plant trees is happening underground. So as long as the leaves are green, it's growing new fronds, whatever, and it's alive and it's healthy, it's growing, you just don't see it. Um, and that's usually for like the first year. And the second year, you'll start to see some thickening of the trunk, a little bit of upward growth. And then the third year, you'll see some exponential growth because now it's very well established where it lives. Um, so back to the ones we carry. Sorry, went on a tangent oh, there. Good. Um, we do the Christmas, Pygmy, Foxtail, Ribbon, European, Saw Palmetto, Date, Forgetting one. 
We have ponytail palms, but that's not truly a palm tree. Spindle palm. And sometimes we can get bottle palms. Right now we're out of them, but that's one that I love to keep in the nursery. I just think it's amazing. Like the bottom of it looks like a bottle. It's super cool. <laughs> and that one stays relatively short too, um, like the pygmy. So that's a good one in landscaping. If you don't want like a really big, tall palm tree, but still gives you that palm mm -hmm. in your yard that you need to have because you live in Florida. Oh, absolutely. Gotta have a palm. Well, that's kind of something that we uh, found out ourselves when we were uh, getting into the whole world of Florida planting because uh, folks up north, if you think that you can come down here and immediately just kind of jump into the world of plants like what you do up there, and, and uh, you're not correct. Uh, <laughs> it, it The world down here, it, it's funny, my dad always says, well, Florida's a different world. You're correct. Yeah. Um, uh, everything having to do with plants is just completely different down here. So, Kristen, if you don't mind, why don't you explain some of our folks what is exactly different from up north versus down here? Because you are, like me, a uh, child of two different climates. <laughs> right. I grew up here, then I went north for a long time, and then I came home. So, um, the obvious thing, it gets a lot colder up north. So, there's a lot of varieties of things that people look for here, that they had back home, that they want to grow here, that just simply won't survive our summers. Um, there are ways to deal with it, just like if you took a tropical fruit tree up north in the winter, you bring it in, if you can keep it in a pod and keep it pruned back or whatever, there's some ways to do that, but we don't carry it. We try to only carry things that will do well here. Um, so, I don't know, at least 80% of our clientele is people who've transplanted from up north. So we get a lot of those Sounds same right. like what you're saying like the same yeah. it's totally different world um, but there's a few things that you can follow that will help you a lot if you make sure your plant stays watered that is like number one my mom Please. says it all the time it's the last thing she says to people <laughs> so here's the thing we're in rainy season right now so that's fine you know if you move here now and it rains all the time or people have this impression that it rains all the time in Florida right right it rains a lot during rainy season. Rainy season coincides with hurricane season. When it is not rainy slash hurricane season, we're in a drought. Yes. So our winter here is actually a drought. And you've got to water during the drought. Yes. If you don't water during the drought, you can lose your plants. Um, the second thing is we have a lot of snowbirds. And snowbirds go north in the summer because it's so blazing hot. Rainy season is right now, true. But if you live here, you know that it can rain at your house and not necessarily rain across the street. That's a fact. <laughs> it can be raining two blocks away, but not at your house. So you're up north looking at the weather. Oh, it's rainy in Florida, you see a cloud, but it may not have necessarily dropped water. So if you're not here during the summer, it doesn't mean you can't keep plants here around. You just need to have an irrigation system or someone who can take care of things for you while you're gone. Um, we, we have that a lot. People will plant things right before they leave. Now, this is generally when those things might not make it. A lot of people go back up north in April. Mm. We're still in the drought in April, and rainy season doesn't technically start until July. And in May, we're already in the 90s. Yep. So imagine, you know, from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m., it's 90 degrees. Your plant's standing in the sun, and it doesn't get any water because we're still in a drought. So those are the real crucial months would be like April, May, June, until rainy season actually starts. Um, so watering. Okay, watering is very important. If you come to the nursery and you encounter my mom, the last thing she will say to you as you're loading your plants is don't forget to water, okay? And it's in our flyer, and the word water in our flyer is capitalized every time it's in there. It is so important. Okay, so watering, 
feeding it, the soil here is very different from the soil up north. Um, we have a lot of sand. Florida was at one point in time underwater, and it will be again someday probably. And there's shells in your yes. in your yard, and how you think those shells got there, you know? So exactly. it's very sandy, and it has most most yards have really good drainage because of the sand, which is important because it's humid here too, and you can get fungal infections and whatever. So your soil is fine. A lot of people are under the impression that they need to dig a big hole and fill that hole with potting soil because they don't trust the soil here. Now when you do that, you're teaching your plant or your tree that it's in a pot forever. You know, it gets to the edge of that rich potting soil and it doesn't recognize the sand and that's it. You're now root bound to whatever area you created. So you can amend your soil if you want to. Don't do it more than 40%. Um, back to the, the soil. The nutrients in the soil is lacking. So we recommend a really um, nutrient rich, we call it like a multivitamin for your soil or for your plants. Time release is so important. It must be time release. If it's not time release, it can burn your roots. It can, um, it can go off into our waterways um, and cause problems like red tide. So you wanna be really careful the types of fertilizer you're using and you need to make sure you're following the instructions. Um, and you're not over fertilizing. I know that there um, are certain fertilizing bans going on in certain areas, so also be aware of what your counties are um, asking you to do for the greater good of everybody. Also keep in mind, um, uh, just you and I have Michigan in common, right. uh, that's where I was born. Um, up in Michigan, the water table is, if I recall correctly, somewhere around six and a half feet below the ground before you start getting into even close to well depth. Mm -hmm. um, down here, it's about eight inches. <laughs> we, we are at sea level. Yeah, it, it's not exact, and I'm not even really exaggerating all that particular much, uh, much so whenever you guys are using chemicals down here, also keep in mind um, our particular area, many, many people still use well water. Um, even if they have city water available, they still use well water. So. When we're shoving chemicals into the ground down here, it's it's a little bit more uh, immediate of a problem, and that's why she's bringing up county bans and um, you know just keep your neighbor in mind when you're using the the dreaded Roundup and stuff like that because yeah. it can go straight into your drinking water, which is not good for anybody. Listen, listen to yeah. the professionals, like he's saying. Absolutely. Um, so the first two points were water. Well, first temperature, right? Then mm -hmm. water. Um, then fertilizing or making sure your plants have the nutrients that they need um, and trusting the sandy soil as long as you're feeding them properly. The next thing would be exactly what he just brought up. Um, because the water table is lower up north and the soil is clay and you have to go, you know, it, the ground freezes a certain depth, you plant things pretty deep up north. You can't do that here. <laughs> you only want to plant things as deep as they are in the pot right now or slightly higher to give them a little bit of room to settle. Um, that's a common mistake. Another common mistake is um, when we plant up north, you know, we had tree rings. You'd have a border around our trees and then we just mound mulch on it, like just tons of acre, like yards of mulch, yes, right? Yes. And the mulch will be right up against the tree. Yep. Here in the winter, it probably doesn't mind it so much, but in the summer it is so very humid and the air is wet and it's rainy and whatever so all that moisture is getting into that um, mulch which is its purpose right is to hold some moisture around your tree which helps during the drought but you don't want it touching the bark of your tree because then you can grow a fungal infection from the wet bark touching the wet tree and my last tip for differences between um, up north and here would be pruning I know that uh, we would prune when I lived up north, like right in the beginning of spring, 
and that would pretty much be it. You know, you do your massive pruning, lay all your mulch, you're done. Um, here, you may need to prune a couple times a year, um, some things more than others. Uh, but a lot of people, what I've noticed, they'll plant something like a hibiscus, and uh, like me, I wanna give it flower mercy. And since it blooms so much, it can get to a place where it's just tall and leggy and has only a few leaves and it still makes flowers, but now it's goofy looking. Um, so if you prune hibiscus, they flush back out, they stay fuller and they actually prefer it and you'll get more blooms out of it that way. So don't be afraid to prune things. That's my last tip for that. That's cool. So one thing that um, ha has kind of come into my world recently, just because my, my favorite plant has kind of become my pastime recently, which is weird. Uh, my powder puff, mm -hmm. puffball plant, whatever you want to call it. Um, deadheading. So what is deadheading? Deadheading is when you cut off an expired bloom. Um, it's very important to do with certain things, but most things it's not necessary unless you want it to be your favorite pastime. Mm -hmm. um, roses, <laughs> it's essential. It's essentially deadhead roses. Um, everything else that we carry that I'm aware of, and I'm not claiming to be all-knowing for sure. I've only been in this business for a little over a year, but um, the things that we keep in the nursery, I don't generally deadhead anything besides the roses. Okay, and speaking of roses, so uh, some roses do better down here, some not so much. I honestly don't know a ton about roses. The ones okay. that we carry are Knockout and Drift, and both of those I try to keep up with. Um, I know there are some bigger varieties that grow here because I've seen them in people's yards mm -hmm. and they look healthy and happy and thriving, but I don't know what those varieties are because we don't have them. Okay. But I'll work on learning that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because I look forward to doing this again sometime. Okay, maybe. So. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's fine. I will do it again. We had fun. It's fun. Jeez. So is there anything else you'd like to pass on to the listeners here before we uh, start kind of heading out? Um, I think that there's a negative connotation to the word snowbird. Okay. And I want people to know that that's okay. And we don't think that's a bad word. No. And we don't think, um, that it should keep you from asking questions or learning about where your new investment is or where your future home full time is or where your half time home is. Like, don't, don't think that snowbird is a bad word because people will come and be like, oh, I'm a snowbird. And they say it under their breath and they're afraid to like admit it. It's not a bad thing. Um, we welcome you. We appreciate you being here. Um, we're happy to help you. And uh, we encourage you to learn everything you can about both places that you live. Absolutely. So if folks want to get a hold of you guys, okay. whether they are uh, looking to come by the nursery later on today or just uh, check you out from afar, you know, up in Michigan or Wisconsin or wherever they're from. Uh, let's get all your details out to folks so they can get a hold of you. Okay. Don't come today because we're not open. <laughs> <laughs> we have kind of kooky hours. That's something else I can mention too. Um, during the summer when it's blazing hot, we are open Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, nine to four. Um, in season, we will add a fourth day. I will update that on Google. So if you Google DMB Nursery, all of our current hours will be posted there. Um, you can also look at tons of pictures that we've taken or that our customers have taken and posted on our site. Um, we are also on Facebook and we are on Instagram. DMB Nursery handles for both. And then uh, we have a website. Our website is www.d as in David or Don, that's my dad, B 
is in Brenda, or boy, it's my mom, nursery.com. So www.dbnursery.com. All right, awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming and talking to me today. It was very enlightening in a lot of different ways. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Awesome. And there you have it, friends and neighbors. That was Kristen with D&B Nursery in Port Charlotte, Florida. And again, D&B Nursery, Kristen, thank you so much for sitting down with me and talking with me for about an hour. Uh, just about really cool Florida plant stuff, honestly, at the end of the day. Um, for all of my friends that might be coming down from up north or for all my friends that are already here that are looking to uh, start to improve their home, uh, through plants and through trees and all that other kind of fun stuff. I hope she gave you something to think about. I hope you learned a little bit. I know that I even learned a little bit, and Susie is the owner of Exora Galora, so that was pretty cool. And um, if you guys are wanting to uh, contact D&B Nursery, or if you'd like to go give them a visit, you can give them a call at 941-276-7758. Again, that's 941-276-7758, or... Uh, if you actually want to go to their nursery, it is at 142 Panther Court in Port Charlotte, Florida. And as usual, with almost everyone that I interview, you can go ahead and look them up on Facebook. Uh, just type in D&B Nursery Port Charlotte, and I'm sure it'll pop straight up there. And there you have it, boys and girls. That was Love Florida Realtor for this week. Thank you very much for bringing me into your cars and your homes and your hearts and your minds and all the other places that we are. Um, and again, if you would ever like to get a hold of me for whatever reason, whether it's Twisted Poems or for real estate services, my number is 941-202-1995. And you can always email me at mark at lovefloridarealtor.com. That is M-A-R-K at L-O-V-E-F-L-R-E-A-L-T-O-R.com. And as always, keep on keeping on just like those Twisted Poems. Daytona driving What is this I see Two palm trees together They're twisted Like you and me But they're growing strong Cause they keep on What's hot on A1A from Key Largo to Key West? It's TwistedBombsTradingCo.com. One-stop shop for all things tropical. If you're a parrot head, beach bummer, just on the sunbank side, TwistedBombsTradingCo.com has tropical apparel for men, women, boys and girls, plus feed freedom sandals, 40 pairs to choose from, freedom shorts, palm tree shirts, hit the waves with hot swimwear, bath and beach body products, and new exciting products added often. Before you check out at TwistedPalmsTradingCo.com, don't forget to get a good lay. Really, if it has to do with fun, sun, beach, and oceans, it's TwistedPalmsTradingCo.com. <laughs>